Welcome to SelfDiscoveryMedia.com, where the Orchard of Wisdom shows are at your fingertips. It ignites your soul, your heart, your spirit, your mind, and your body with illumination from people who have made the journey before you. They're here now to help you on your journey, on your path of self-discovery. We are funded by you, the audience, and the people we interview. If you wish to support us, please go to SelfDiscoveryMedia.com and press on our Fund Action button. Anything is appreciated. We would like you to sit back and enjoy the shows. Here we go. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Choose Positive Living right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest is Ben Bernet. We're <laughs> going to be talking about a lot of things today, but kind of the growing pains of growth. He is an author, a podcaster, a professional connector. He is rebranding himself right now to reach out and help people more in his community because he believes in helping people actually helps everyone else that lovely ripple down effect that goes out there in the process of his personal growth which wasn't always pleasant after years of counseling reading mountains of personal development books and growing through numerous challenges including quitting alcohol and experiencing three miscarriages in between two girls much of his growth he experienced has come at a cost some of the growth processes were fun and motivational much of it cuts you to the core in order for you to heal and grow back stronger and he is there, also works at the Chamber of Commerce and enjoys time in the woods with his wife and two daughters. He started his career selling a product he didn't believe in. He made a switch to personal training and continued to hone in his expertise. He wrote two fitness books, created a course, an online membership program with over 150 customized workout videos. With COVID lockdowns changing the landscape of the fitness industry, he transitioned into the Ontario Chamber, country, Ontario County Chamber of Commerce and started his own podcast where he focuses on personal growth, personal branding and entrepreneurship, which he, as I said, is in the process of developing a new program for. We're going to talk about his podcast. We're going to talk about what's going on. But yeah, you know, it's we talk a great deal about willing to go through the process, willing to, to, to grow. And that is all absolutely true. Uh, and we have to come out of pain and go through pain. I actually kind of put it, and you all know this being a father, you know, the nine months of carrying a child, it has its moments. <laughs> what aren't uncomfortable, uh, you know, bleh, puking and cramping and everything else that's going on, backache, you name it. And then we go for hours and hours of labor. You know, but once that child is in your arms, it is all worth it. But it is a struggle to get there. And there is no sugar coating. It is the bin. No, no, there is not. Um, so, yeah, the... Man, you, there's so many threads that we could follow in this, and I'm sure we'll pick up a well, bunch pick of one. them. Let's pick yeah, one, right? and let's go with it. <laughs> let's, let's pick one. Let's pick one and follow it. So the, I think a core idea I'd like to explore a little bit is just the idea of that growth isn't always fun. So for, for me, I had a time in my life where growing was fun. It was motivational. It was conferences. It was cool books. It was meeting fun people. And that 
that side of personal growth gets talked about a lot. It's very mm-hmm. Tony Robbins-esque, like, woohoo, get pumped up, it's great. Sugar um, high! Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I, I found that some of the most important growing times of my life were extremely challenging. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we, we mentioned in the lead up to this, the, the idea of quitting alcohol, of going through three miscarriages in between uh, our, our two beautiful girls that we've had. And so those, those dark times, those hard times, I've learned more about myself and I've grown more as a person, as a husband, as a father than I did in any conference I ever went to. Now, a lot of the things I learned in conferences and books got to be applied in some of those moments. Yes, that is the point. You know, it isn't kind of live your life by numbers. Now, you know, go to B, now step over to C, and all your life will come together like the nice ABCs. No, it doesn't work that way. But everything that you are learning along the way that is motivational, that is inspirational, you put in your backpack because you're going to be pulling it out at some point when you need it. But you don't know when you need it until you're there. And then you go, you know, that person that talked about this or that person that referred to that, I understand. I'm here right now. What did they do? Which, which instrument did they use in this? And then you apply, right? And a lot of people get stuck in the emotion of the pain of the growth and then become stagnant and forget you've been given information along the way. Just sit calmly, reflect, go back a little bit, and you'll see somewhere along the line, there's somebody you've heard that's gone through it. These are the skills and the tools they used. How about you give them a try? Absolutely right. And I, I like, I think a good example here is the three miscarriages my wife and I endured. It was a, it was a very tough time. We, we didn't have any trouble getting pregnant with our first daughter. I was like, should we have a kid? Sure. Pregnant. Great. Off yes. we go. And then, uh, and then we had a, we had our first miscarriage and it was, it was a gut punch and it hurt and it was a shock to us, but it was a growing time. It was like, you know what? It's okay. We're going to weather this. We're going to come through it and, and we're going to be, we're going to be better for it. And then we had a second miscarriage and that one was unexpected is obviously the first one was unexpected, but this was, it was almost like, how can it happen again? This can't Mm -hmm. be happening again. And then we had a third one. And by the third one, I was just, I was completely numb. They, they, the second and the third miscarriages caught me off guard because I was in the mode of, you know, good, good people have bad Mm -hmm. things happen to them. You know, it's part of life, but it just, it seemed like too much. It was all in the span of about a year. And it was just, it was extraordinarily painful. It was, it was extremely challenging. Um, it tried both my, my wife and I quite a bit. And, and meanwhile, we're trying to, you know, raise our first child yes. as we're doing all this, right? Uh, it's like an extra layer of challenge on top of that. And one of the things that I leaned into, particularly during the, the second and third miscarriages, was just sharing about what was going on, was I, I started just talking about it. I would just talk about the pain. I would talk about the challenges. And in, in sharing about it, particularly via typing and text and, and email and um, you know, other forms that, that more people could consume, was as I, as I put more of that out into the world, more and more people came back and said, oh my goodness, that resonated with me. Or like, yes, I, you know, I haven't told anybody this, but I had two miscarriages when I was younger. I don't really share it all that often, you know, but you sharing that, you know, really kind of opened that up in me. And what I started finding was as I shared some of the pain, 
one thing that was very important was as I was sharing pain, it wasn't like a, oh, poor me kind yes. of a pain, you know, yeah. it was a, you know, this is hard and difficult and here's what we're doing to work through it. And here's what I'm learning in this process. You know, I always, I always try to take a, a positive spin to it or, or, or an upward kind of a look to it. And as I, as we went through that process, we found that that level of vulnerability for many people was, was shocking. They were not used to people talking yeah. about that. You know, a lot of, a lot of people just had, don't really hear much about miscarriage. It was for my parents, my mom had had a miscarriage um, and she, she barely ever talked about it. Mm -hmm. uh, it was extremely, extremely painful for her. And so there's many people out there where that, that is a particular challenge for many, but there's a lot like that out there. A lot of other challenges that people don't really talk about. And I think in, in being able to share about it and being able to talk about it, it gives us the power to connect over it. And it's in that connecting where I found a lot of healing is being able to talk to people and share with people our stories. It, it lightens that burden. It really does because I'm used to shouldering a burden all by myself. I got it. I can do yeah. it. Put me in coach. <laughs> and often it's, it becomes too much. And, and yes. it really is in the vulnerability and the sharing that we get to learn and grow. It's actually unselfish, unselfish to share. Mm -hmm. You know, um, share. I've had two miscarriages. I had one between my my daughter and my son. Um, that was earlier on. But I actually had an atopic pregnancy, where um, the baby had actually died in the fallopian tube, and it ended up because I was misdiagnosed. Um, the baby died there, rotted, and they actually um, took out my tube and my ovary. And uh, they thought my womb was damaged due to the infection because they couldn't figure out where this infection came from. And it was actually a young doctor who said, I'm going to do a lapscotomy on her and find out what's going on. And, uh, you know, it came out and he's like, we don't know if you can ever have children. You've only got one over, you've only got one tube. We don't know how damaged the womb has been. And, you know, for me, it's no, I'm having kids. I'm having kids. <laughs> That's it. I proceeded to have four pregnancies and three children because I was utterly determined. But there, there doesn't mean that you don't go through those other emotions, right? And it's like, it literally left a scar. Um, and it, it, it became something that, okay, for me, it was a spiritual thing of this child wasn't meant to be born right now, right? It's obviously meant to be born later or maybe not meant to be born from me. So I've always looked at things from a very spiritual side of things. We didn't talk about atopic pregnancies back in the 70s. <laughs> Definitely not. And even if you had a miscarriage, even when people had adopted children, it was still cloak and dagger. You know, all these things. And it was like, why? <coughs> why are you so ashamed or scared about other people's opinion? You've adopted a child? Bravo, you've given a exactly. child a home. You've had a miscarriage? Oh, gosh, I feel for you. I know, but don't give up. You know, it's why do we put such a stigma on talking about it? Lighten yes. up, folks. We all go through things. We, and the more we share, the more we care, and the more we actually come together in a loving vibration of healing. Yes, absolutely right. And for me, the, the sharing of that was 
kind of goes back a little bit further because you know we mentioned earlier and as we were kind of diving in i i gave up alcohol about six years ago my counselor had challenged me to do it he's like listen you know i want you to try going 90 days 90 days without having any alcohol and i'm like ah i'm not going to do that uh and then one day i woke up with the mother of all hangovers and i'm like <laughs> all right fine i'll give it a try <laughs> but that was how i was able to do it yeah it wasn't one of those like oh i'm quitting drinking you know and then i start again the next weekend you know it was one of those like all right all right okay this is horrible and i want to see i want to test it out i want to see what this guy's saying and so you know and during this time i had been going to different uh kind of 12-step groups and just hearing the the level of rawness and vulnerability in, in anonymous style groups yes um is incredibly powerful i'd like i mean at the first my first time there i was just i was just taken aback at the level of sharing that people mm. were doing they're like don't you know that i'm a stranger like you don't know me and you're telling me we all this crazy we stuff we reveal more to strangers than we do to people we know that's for too sure true. yeah too true right and it was being in those rooms where people are just opening up mm -hmm. and sharing the depths of of hurt and pain and talking about some of these scars that they're carrying and some of these things that they're really ashamed of and and that they've struggled with it really it showed me that so much of the darkness that's in us mm -hmm. is really meant to come to light it's meant to be aired it's yes. meant to be shared and it, it was a lot of time uh, spent in that 90 days where i just i felt so much better every day mm -hmm. i felt better and better and better and i look back after 90 days and i'm like i feel the best i ever have in my life like i'm excited this is so much fun i have more energy i sleep better i wake up on time like it's great um and i haven't looked back so for me you know, I never had a chemical dependency on alcohol mm -hmm. to the point where I'd call myself an alcoholic, but I, I used it as a crutch. It was mm -hmm. something that I turned to as a, as a numbing behavior. I think we all have different numbing behaviors. You know, it could be shopping, could be gambling, mm -hmm. could be watching TV, right? We've could all got these <laughs> Exactly, exactly. It could be any, anything that brings us out of our, our present and kind of just numbs whatever we're feeling. And what I found is that the highs and the lows of life are painful mm -hmm. and they can be really, really hard. Um, but I found that in order to really experience the highs, you need to be able to accept the lows right along with that. There's always a reason for something, isn't there? Mm -hmm. You know, you know, people think, oh, this is happening to me. No, it's happening for you. Mm -hmm. You know, it is. Is it to discover your courage? Is it to discover your strength? Is it to discover the abilities that you've denied yourself? Right. The the 98 percent people that I've interviewed over the last 10 years, these are people that some of them, my God, the things that have happened to them, no, should never happen to a human being, should never happen to a life form. It is absolutely atrocious. And you wouldn't blame them for giving up. You wouldn't blame them for for being addicted, going down that rabbit hole. And many of them did. They did go down the rabbit hole. They did become uh, addicts of some kind until the old cosmic two by four hit them on the head. <laughs> and like, do you want to be this victim for the rest of your life? Because this happened to you, but now you can choose your own positive living. You can choose your own path. You can choose what canvas you want to paint on. And what are you going to do about it? It's like the finger pointing. It's their fault, their fault, their fault. There's three pointing back at you and going, what are you going to do about it? If you don't like the system, change the system within you because you become part of the solution. Yep. 
every problem people complain about, everything that, that goes wrong yes. is a common denominator, right? And it's us, right? It We're is. a part of every oh, single one of those. Hugely. Um, yeah. Well, and I look at like for me, you know, I, I'm, I'm married and my wife and I have been together for five years now. And it's, uh, I'm not gonna lie, it's hard. It is hard being committed to a person and sharing a living space with a person. I love her dearly. But it's been it's been a lot of growing because I have to accept that even when I am right, even when I feel so right, I need to own some part of what I'm saying or some part of what's happened. I might there might be a little bit that's wrong. There might be a little bit that, you know what? Okay, you know, she's actually maybe not fully right, but she has some right. And owning owning the slice of the pie that you need to. I think is so important. Too often we say, nope, it's all theirs. It's all their fault, all their problem. Yes. When in reality, you know, even if it's 1% and 99%, right? Own your 1%, yeah. own your slice of the pie. And what you may find is it's a bigger slice than you thought. Yes. Yeah, exactly. In a spoon in hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also think it's like, let's not look at right and wrong and change it to a different dialogue of my perspective from my point of view, because all you can talk about is from your understanding, how you're seeing things, but it opens up for someone else to say to you, okay, I hear you, but I see it from this point of view. And then putting the point of views down on the table as part of the bigger you know, pieces of the puzzle. And how are you gonna put these points of view together to create a picture that you both can agree on? Mm-hmm. I was listening to a podcast today, actually talking about the idea of framing mm-hmm. and the idea of framing is just the way that you're seeing a conversation, yes. the way the, the lens that you're looking yeah. through. And so much of our communication, just like you said, often our fights and our bickering and the things that we don't have in common, it's not because we're, we're actually thinking different things. It's just a miscommunication. We're yes. communicating in a way that's not landing the way we're intending it to. No. And, and it's coming from our knowledge our understanding, the, the emotional aspect of where we're at at that time. And it really is truly how we feel. But if we actually allowed ourselves just to decompress or, or step back and maybe look at things from a different angle, in the next moment, you could feel differently and you could speak from a different perspective. It's this die hard. It's my way or my way. No, I'm right. You know, and it's, we know that that is just, you know, the, the flame to the fire. And then, the, you know, the flames are busy burning and nobody's remembered really what the topic was all about. Mm-hmm. My, oh man, we, my wife and I had a fantastic fight the other night. It was uh, super cute. We don't really fight all that often, but you know, we, we had more of an argument, right? And we started arguing about this particular thing. And then we started arguing about the way that we were arguing about it. <laughs> So we had like two layers of argument going, right? And, um, you know, eventually we actually resolved the base level argument of whatever our initial disagreement was. But then we had to come to terms with the way that we were engaging in that dialogue. Um, And so it was just, you know, looking at it, it becomes a funny moment for us, right? Um, But at the time it was like, you know, we want to be treated a certain way as we are, um, challenging each other, right? Because I think it's important for people that we're close to, to be able to challenge each other, to be able to say, hey, this doesn't seem right, or hey, this boundary has been crossed, or hey, I expected this. And maybe I didn't know that I expected that, but now I know that I expected it. Um, And so now I just need to work on processing through that. 
I think it's also important to know what personality types we are. I'm a true colors coach. So, you know, I talk about the four key perspectives of, of our personality traits. And, you know, I am a personality trait that um, if I see something needs to get done, then I'm going to look about going and getting it done, whether it's perfect or not. Or if I see something that needs to be done in the moment, I'm going to ask you to do it. And if you have on puff and make an argument out of it, then I'm just going to go and do it myself, get out of my way. Right? Mm -hmm. And it's, if I am that type of personality and somebody else is a person like, don't tell me what to do. Right. Oh, that's now, fun. Yeah. You're right? destined for sparks. <laughs> Fireworks. And it's, it's recognizing each other's personality trait and both of us having to be aware of, okay, I can't speak that way. You can't react that way. What parameter can we communicate that we're not going to have sparks every time something needs to be addressed? Yes. And you, I think it's great that you brought up personality because that was something that, that I really struggled with my wife and I for a while is um, I'm a very decisive personality. I make a decision. Let's go. And I start running and I look behind and I'm like, where is everybody? Yeah. I, th I thought we were going. <laughs> and then my wife is more the type where she likes to look at different perspective where she's like, you know, kind of sometimes you know, for me, I sometimes call it worrying too much mm -hmm. for her. She just feels like she wants to make Contemplating. sure. Yeah, it's she's the, contemplating. Is, it, yeah. is this the right call, right? Yeah. What's the downside to this? Yeah. Where I'm, I'm all upside, baby. Uh, <laughs> but she likes to weigh decisions. So, and for me, I need that. She balances me in that yes, way. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and and so for for us though, is sometimes I would just get so frustrated because that was just what she kept doing. I kept thinking that like it was going to change. You know, mm -hmm. I kept thinking that she was going to change, and in reality. It's just a part of who she is. And so I need to understand that she's going to have these different perspectives. And, you know, she's actually coached me, which has been mm. so lovely. She has coached me on what I need to say and help her with so that she understands why I'm doing what I'm doing and, and where we're headed. Um, she needs reassurance. She needs to understand that we're just not going to take off and leave everything behind, that things are going to be taken care of, that the stuff that needs to get shored up is going to get shored up. Well, she sounds like what we call a gold personality and they like security. You know, they like that structure. They like to know that things are all in the right place. And, you know, you sound like maybe a blue orange. You see it. Let's go get it. <laughs> right? The worst thing for a gold personality, because, yeah, you know, they'll get on board if you show them the plan. Show them the, the I's dotted, the T's crossed. You know, uh, the safe steps, the contingency plan. You show them all of that. They're right with you. In fact, they'll step up and roll up their sleeves and organize everything for you. But they can't do it on a whim. Yes, that is to a T exactly right. Because for me, I think a lot of things come to a head. Right. I have a lot of different experiences, a lot of different thoughts, and they all come together in this yeah. one brilliant moment. I'm like, aha, yes. I have it now. Yes. You know, I found it. It all makes sense. It's so like I'm ready to go. And so she hasn't been a part of these other conversations. Mm. She wasn't there when I read that one book. She wasn't there when I was at the seminar. Right. And yeah. so the, all these disparate pieces of information and ideas coming together and forming this new plan, she wasn't a part of a lot of those things. She's part of some of them, but she hasn't, she hasn't picked up yeah. every single one that I did.
And so for me, I'm, I'm learning that I need to just share with her on, okay, so here is why I think this could work. And then she starts to ask questions. And that's where we started having that, that meta argument yeah. was that the way that she was asking her questions felt like I was under attack. Right. right. And so I, I had to, I had to then return and say, okay, here's the way I would like you to come with these type of questions. Cause right now I feel like I'm super defensive and I'm just, it's, it's, it's cycling into this fight even more. Right. And we don't need that. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think, um, I think it's brilliant. And I, I, I want to hear more about this, uh, these four different personality types too. Oh, and, yeah. And no, believe me, when I did that, it just cleared up my whole life and understood why a, my family didn't get me, why most people don't get me. Um, and that, you know, I am what I am, but that, that the other personality types I had to be more aware of and to realize I can't always bring my blue air exuberant personality to people because it can be too much and that you sometimes have to change your approach and your dialogue to a way that they're going to comprehend right now they'll very often climb on your bandwagon and go with you but you've got to give them what they need to feel secure enough to follow and you know and i find that one of the things that i found the art of is is writing something down, even if it's bullet point or this or that, giving, giving somebody a, a viewpoint. Um, for me, very often it is a graphic that I will put together. I've had the same vision on my graphic for the site I'm building now, the orchardwisdompodcast.com, the one that's tearing my hair out at the present moment because I'm doing it myself <laughs> for my 10th anniversary. Ugh, I took on too much, but it's okay, I'll get it done. But I had that image um four and a half years ago and nothing has changed about that image except for perhaps a little formatting a different approach and different building blocks right because we see something but that doesn't mean it's in the now and having somebody that is more of the plotter and the builder okay a great vision a great idea what land is it going to be on who's going to come you know, all of those kind of questions then takes the the vision and puts it into a constructive plan that now actually can be built on that was something i had to hone back on and learn and i my partner my business partner that i had was a double ox <laughs> an absolute plotter there was no moving him at all he, he saw the vision but there was no moving him at all and he felt it was right to move so it didn't matter how much it was giddy up let's go forget it <laughs> i love it so what um i guess you mentioned there's four personality types right i'll, I'll give you the quick four personality types actually on selfdiscoverymedia.com true colors i've got the whole breakdown and the whole show on it but the four key personalities are represented by four colors so the gold personalities are the people that really, if, if you're looking at the analogy of building a house, you can give them the plan, the, the building blocks, and they will make sure that house is built to the T, to the plan, and that it's solid. They're the great foremen and great builders of putting everything together in the structure. Your greens are the actual designers, the architects, the people that actually can put the plan together. They can see the minute details. And very often, if you are doing business with them, don't come to them with an enthusiastic idea, come to them with details. They will chew over those details. They will never make a quick decision. They like to know ice tops, teas, and everything else. You have your oranges, which are the exuberant leaders. They're the people that are the influencers. They see that vision. They really can motivate people to do it for them. They are that inspiration, but they can be short attention span. 
and the moment like, oh, okay, all right, everybody's doing that, on to the next. And that is something they need to hone in because they're not very good at keeping that attention span in any aspect of their life. So if in a love interest, they can make the woman feel like she's the only one in the world until the next one. Right. And then you have the blue personality, which I am. I'm a screaming sky blue. We are, I'm an air sign because all the elements go with it too. And I also do numerology with it. I do the whole complex thing to show you and your view of life. I have a whole program on it. And the blue is person who everything comes from the inside out. It is in, intuitive. It is totally going by the feelings and the instincts and how they see something. And they see things that are in between the cracks or in between what other people see. And if they cannot do anything against what they feel and they feel their faults and they can see things deeper. When I was doing a backing an electric motor technology, a quantum electric motor technology and meeting all these business people, it was huff and puff. The orange personalities, uh-huh, wheeling and dealing and this and that. And all of a sudden, they would look at me and the little boy would show, you can see me, can't you? <laughs> because, yes, we see through the facade. But those are the kind of just the synopsis of the four key personalities of which we all do have. And one will always be stronger than the other. And there may be a couple that will fluctuate. But we do need to tap into each one of them. My gold used to live in a different city. Through 10 years of doing these podcasts, I had to get structured. I had to start learning how those building blocks make. That's why I'm tearing my hair up building a new site, right? And I had to bring my gold personality up more and be more balanced. So it's not about having all four of them evenly balanced, but it's recognizing what is your key one? How do you pay attention to the other personality traits so you can recognize who you're talking to? who you're dealing with, and change your language in a way that they're going to understand you. Most of the time, all conflict comes from a miscommunication. Absolutely. And, and you talking about that makes, makes me think of uh, some of the personality tests that I've done. And one, one, one thing that stood out in, in a recent one was where, where I came up on the, on the graph of, mm. of the personality trait. And what the woman said in, in the analysis was, you know, you're, you're high in this one. However, you moderate it well. So you're not extreme in the presentation of it. Right. So I, I've, I'm a very energetic type of a person. Uh, however, I, I moderate that kind of depending on what's appropriate, what makes sense to the type of personalities that are around me and in, in the right circumstances, I'm, I'm, I'm out there, let's go. But yes. in other circumstances, right. I'm dialing it back. I'm keeping it calm, mm-hmm. recognizing where other people are at. Um, and I think that's really important as we discover ourselves, right. Self discovery, mm-hmm. as we discover ourselves, we are better able to relate to others. Yes. And this by paying attention, you know, it's like um, salespeople, you know, especially in uh, network marketing and, you know, and, um, people will sell something that's infused to them. And that's great because you've made a connection to it. But how about you talk to someone and find out what it is they're looking for? Because what you're selling them is a goddamn Eskimo hut and they live in Hawaii. Right. It's so pay attention by listening to the people from that, they will always indicate what it is they're looking for. Do you have that? And if you do, now you're meeting their need. 
Yes. On, on the sales point, I think you are 100% spot on. I think too often in sales, people get focused on the, the benefits and here's yes. what it does and here's yeah. all the cool tricks and it's so exciting yeah. and it did this for me and I love yeah. it, I love it, I love it. But you had it exactly right is how does the other person feel about it? How is the other person going to relate to it? Yes. Right. And, and I think listening is that key step, right? Just listening to what their thoughts are, probing, questioning, mm -hmm. finding out how they feel, the way that they think, and then tying what you have to that or recognizing that, Ooh, yeah. Okay. There's, there's no, no relation. No, no. Let's no. move on. Oh, It'll be better for both of us. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's, uh, let's end the call. Thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Yeah, exactly. You know, like exactly. And, and I think too often, people get into a sales situation and think they have to sell, but sometimes the best, the best thing that could happen is that there is no sale and that helps both people, right? Because you're, as a salesperson, you're, you're expecting that you're not going to sell every single time you talk about it. Right. And so you just crossed one out. That's all that was, right? You right. crossed out someone who was not right for that product. It was not a good fit because you can sell to people that don't want something, but there's a problem that comes later down the road, oh, right? You're, yeah you're building a problem into that sale and somebody yeah. somewhere is going to deal with it. Right? Oh it's yeah. Explode somehow. They're going to tell people about it. They're going to write yeah. nasty reviews. They're going to send the product back. They're going to want a refund or they're just going to be bitter about it and they're not going to talk to you ever again. And exactly. so, yeah, I, th I think with, with sales, it's so important to understand that no's are still wonderful. Yes. And we've got to realize not everything is a transaction, right? You know, it's building relationships. And, you know, that person, you just may enjoy their company. You're just building the relationship. You're getting to know each other. You may never sell anything to them. But because they like you, they will speak highly of you. And that is the seed that you're planting and that you're growing. I think in business, and it's changing wonderfully, thank goodness, it's changing in the way that why would I buy anything from you if I don't like you? Why would I buy anything from you if I think you're a fraud and you're not being authentic or that you won't buy it yourself, right? We want people to be authentic. We've had the fake news now for long enough. We want people to come up with the enthusiasm of life, the enthusiasm of what they do. Be that inspiration begets that invitation. And when you're inspiring somebody, you're inviting them, maybe not to buy directly from you, but my God, they're going to talk about you because they were infused by you. And I don't mean the sugar high, rah, rah. I mean, coming from the heart. Yep. And I think when you come from the heart, you also stand out in a way yeah. that's unique and that's special. Because when you're trying to be everything to everybody, mm -hmm. you're not all that special. You're not all that unique. You kind of blend right into the crowd. My wife and I met through online dating and a very modern love story. And um, <laughs> we, uh, you know, we, we both had our profile type people that we were looking for. And previously to this, I had been on online dating before and I tried to be, I tried to be everything to everybody and be really, oh, really wonderful. And it, it never worked out. Like I never found someone that I was really connecting with. And so I, I decided to change. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try and rule out and scare away as many women as possible in this profile. I'm going to put all, oh, just going to put it out there. You know what I mean? So I, I, I put down all the stuff I was interested in, some of the things that were minorly controversial, some of the stuff that to me was important and wasn't going to leave if, mm. if I got married, right? Mm. And so, you know, th that person that's going to be attracted to that 
they're going to be attracted to me and the things that I like and the things that I enjoy. And the people that are repelled by that, they're going to run for the hills. And, and you don't perfect. love them. You don't want love to, them. I didn't want to be in a relationship with <laughs> No. Them, right? And yeah, just like sales, just like networking, yeah. just like getting to know new friends, all of those things is you do want to be repellent yes. to the wrong people. Yes, exactly. You know, there's an awful lot of people flapping out there in the wind, not knowing what they want. Right. And in the moment they see somebody that's a spark, oh, I go to attach, <laughs> glue on. Right. And then it's like, well, you know, no, I can't serve you. You're just sucking in onto my energy, trying to take the energy away from me instead of igniting your own generator and becoming your own energy. We should look at people who are living in that higher frequency and that higher vibration as that invitation that, oh gosh, if they can generate all this wonderful, divine, beautiful, exuberant energy and they have such enthusiasm for life, why can't I? What is it that I'm doing? Most of the time living an outside life, not an inside life. How do I switch my own generator on? How do I become my own connection to that energy? And how do I step into that? And that's a journey in itself, isn't it? Going right back to that growth. Be willing to go through the pain for the gain. Yes. Yes, because as, as you accept the pain and as you are able to share and be vulnerable and be open, I think you get to become influential. That's mm -hmm. where influence comes from. That's where your ability to assist other people really starts to shine is, is by number one, building relationship, building trust, okay? Because you've put yourself out there, because you've opened yourself up, because you are shining a particular light or you're giving off a particular frequency, whatever, whatever kind of metaphor works for mm -hmm. people. But the idea is, you know, you're, you're going to be attractive to certain people and you, you want to pull in the people that are going to vibe with that. And you want to push out the people that are not. And that for me, I know that's been a huge problem because I, I love everybody. Everyone's great. <laughs> and I want to, I want to be everybody's friend and I don't want to be mean and I don't want to be exclusionary. Um, but as, as time has gone by, I understand that I only have so much time. Mm -hmm. I only have so much energy. I only have so much opportunity to, to invest. I only have so many relationships that I can really tend to. And so I, I try to invest in the strong ones in the important ones in the ones where I can have the biggest impact. And those people can have the biggest impact back yeah. on me, right? Where it yeah. can be that give and that take in those relationships. I'm just suddenly reminded of Sesame Street, you know, <laughs> and, you know, Sesame Street, I do, it's on Netflix, by the way, the documentary of how Sesame Street came about, highly recommended, highly recommended. Um, but, you know, it was about um, people of all diversity forming a community, right, and then being supportive of each of the community. But what did you have? You Oscar the Grouch, you had Big Bird that was, you know, um, friendly, but you know, different sizes, Snuffleupagus, <laughs> whatever his name was. And the thing is, they talked about death. They talked about this. They talked about that. They talked about life. And yes, they were different. But what was the common denominator? Where were the commonalities? And if we could look for the commonalities, which is maybe based on our philosophy, maybe based on our mission in life, maybe based on this, just simply the same exuberant energy. When we concentrate on that and make those connections, we really can build a community that is extremely core strong, but has an enormous individual and collective ripple effect out on everyone else. Yeah. 
Yes, yes, and yes. I love I love the ripple effect idea. I've got actually got a friend that has a company called Ripple Effects, uh, and it's it's a networking organization that you you never quite know the ripple effect that you're going to have in yeah. somebody's life when you're when you're in a networking call or when you you write a book or when you create a podcast, right? You're, you're never quite sure who's going to be affected and how they're going to be affected by that. But oftentimes that that does start to spread to other people, just like negativity, mm-hmm. positivity can spread. Yes. Positivity, I think it's a lot harder. It's a lot harder to spread than yes. negativity. I think negativity comes naturally. Until negativity people, no, yeah, yeah. The negativity is, it, it brings out the negativity and the disconnect in their own lives. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to be negative because I'm miserable, right? So I'm going to get on that bandwagon. It's harder when you step to step into the positivity. But once you stepped over into that positivity, oh, you can keep your negativity. Yeah. I don't yeah, want I'm it. Not. No way. Yeah. I got that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, know, I, you know, I know this is still going to be a roller coaster, but it doesn't have to be the extreme highs. I can enjoy the frills. I can enjoy the gut drop, right? Because I know that. I'm in a frequency, I'm in a realm, I'm in a space that I know that's got me and that whatever experiences I have to face, I know that I can face them and they're here for a reason. They're going to make me stronger. And, uh, and for that, that means I'm going to be a better person, a better teacher, a better coach, just a better human being to help other people on their journey of life. Yes. And that makes me think of a conference that I went to. So I I used to be a personal trainer in my previous career, loved it. It was so much fun. The conferences in particular were a blast. And uh, there's one conference in particular I went to, I opted to go a little bit early to, to see this other speaker. And I paid in a little bit extra. And I came in, I think it was, it was a day early. And went into that seminar within the first, within the first, I would say 20 minutes of that seminar, there was something that was just so valuable and was just such a great insight that it made the entire rest of the trip. Even Mm. if I went home right then, it was already paid for. Yeah. Right. So, you know, and the idea was kind of what we've been talking about was the idea of a pendulum. Mm. And when, when our life is a pendulum and we want that high of life, right. That joy on the upswing, we have to be willing to accept that there's going to be a downswing. Okay. At some point in some way that pendulum may swing back in the other direction and it's going to be brutal and it's going to be painful and it's going to be difficult. And one of the things that, yeah, exactly. And that's one thing that's been frustrating for me sometimes is I look at like, I try and live my life in that, in that wide swinging way where I accept the highs and I, I tolerate those lows. But I know there's some people that that don't want those lows. Mm-hmm. They fear that pain. They try and edge away from that. And I think the the challenge that you run into when you when you try and shy away from that pain is you also shy away from some of that joy. You and also experience. Didn't, yeah. You, 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 exactly. You, you've, you've narrowed your life. You have yeah. narrowed the avenues, right? That pendulum does not swing as high. It does not swing as mm-hmm. far. But the pain isn't as bad. Mm-hmm. But the joy and the excitement and the accomplishment and all the cool stuff in life isn't maybe quite as big. And so I, th- I think for me, it was weighing, okay, what am I willing to tolerate? Okay. Like, just like risk, like entrepreneurship. What are you willing to risk in order to experience this? Right. And with, with kids, right. Mm-hmm. You want to have kids. Are you willing to risk 
losing those kids? Are yeah. you willing to risk miscarriage? Are you willing to risk those things in order to experience being a parent, right? And so I, I think that's something that you need. we need to weigh and at least be conscious of as we make our decisions. Am I playing small with that pendulum right now? Am I keeping it too narrow in scope or am I letting that pendulum open up? Am I letting that really swing in my life? Yes, 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 yes. You know, look at our DNA. It's a, it's a, a twirly entwined of connection. Look at wavelengths. It's again, and you know, a connection of lengths going in traveling. Look at when we see a flock of birds flying together. There could be thousands of birds up there, but that unison of moving together. When we look at our fiber optics that literally from the brain makes everything in our body work and how it's all connected like little spider webs, everything has a connection. It reaches out to something. When you are on that downward swing, or, you know, you have to go back up there to gather momentum to get back up into that lovely height again, right? To get up to that accomplishment. If you go too slow, you risk the actual losing of the momentum and not being able to get back up there again at all. And then you're stuck back in that pain, resenting it, getting angry, just going back in time. It's when we have something that we really do enjoy and you've got two babies, you know, I have a little grandson and, you know, one year old and it's different being a grandmother than a mother. You know, as a parent, it's like you're responsible for them for the rest of their lives. And as a grandparent, it's like, you know, I don't I'm have responsible that. for these 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Devour, spoil. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh, good. They're hyper now. Off they go. Home you go. Good night. <laughs> I'm not that cruel. <laughs> but it is a different feeling altogether. And it's, it's that, it's not kind of a, what's the word? I'm, the, there is an exuberance in life, an euphoria, right? And those euphoric moments are absolutely wonderful. We are not meant to sustain or be in those historic moments all the time. They are the cherry on top. They are that wonderful moment. And you hold on to it in memory. You hold on to it in heart. You hold on to it in the cellular because those moments are just absolutely wonderful. And you can dip into that memory anytime, anywhere. right? But if you had it all the time, you'd become complacent. You wouldn't realize the gift you actually had. And there is a reason why we're meant to be on different levels and different swings for different reasons. Go with the flow. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think, uh, I think COVID has been a great opportunity to mm -hmm. see that is, you know, when I was locked down with my family for a month on end, I love my family, but at the same time, man, I started to get really, you're really tired of my family, right? As I needed, I needed that space to come back and then love them even more. But yeah. when we're stuck in that same house all the time, that got to be a challenge, right? And, and, and it's the distance and it's the up and it's the down and it's the ebb and it's the flow. And understanding that when you are in that high point, some people get scared, like, oh no, my life's going too good. Yeah. Oh, something bad's going to happen. Yeah. You, know? you know, and as it's like, something bad will happen. Right. Mm -hmm. But understanding just really lean in, really savor and really enjoy that euphoric moment, that special moment. And when, whenever that bad happens, just understand that you're just going to need to lean into that too. You're going to need to understand the, the hurt or the pain that comes. You're going to need to process that. And we kind of talked about some, some of that, right. Talking about it, sharing about it, being yeah. vulnerable, right. That burden is not yours alone. Okay. You, you need to oh, for you to get work. stuck in. 
You know, it everything. I mean, this is the thing. The emotions are for a reason. All of our emotions are. I'm glad. I'm sad. I'm. I'm miserable. I'm this. I'm that. You're in that emotion because of the situation you're in. Right. Look at your situation and understand why that emotion is there. Then feel empowered to change that situation or to choose to be in a different state of emotion. But don't become emotional over the emotion. Hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So I want to I want to share another story that I kind of started thinking about as we've been talking. And it's kind of on the on the personal growth topic that we've been kind of dipping back into time and again. And this goes back to when I was about 10 years old and my parents and my older siblings, they're seven and nine years older than me, my two older siblings, they all took a personality test. And this, I think it was Myers-Briggs, the one that they yeah. took. True colors is a Myers-Briggs actually. Is, is this time? Okay, yeah. perfect. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they were like, you know, when they were all taken, I was like, oh, I want to take it too. I was like 10 or something, mm-hmm. or not, maybe not even, maybe like eight or nine. And they're like, I don't know, are you sure? It's like 150 questions or something. I'm like, yeah, I can do it. I can do it. They're like, okay. So I remember going through it. And, you know, a lot of the questions are geared towards adults and, you know, here I am eight. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm taking this test. And one of the things on there is, uh, you know, if you're, uh, oh, what, what would you rather do on a Saturday night? Would you rather stay at home and read or go out to a party? Right. And I, at a time I'm like, go out to a party, you know, <laughs> Oh, like a, like a birthday party or something. Yeah. You know? Um, you know, and at the time my response was, I'd rather stay at home and read. And that got me thinking though. Because I'd, I'd observe at school that a lot of the people that were more social, that seemed like they were having more fun, they were the type of people that would go to the party. And I was like, okay, so I, I want to be more social. I want to be more accepted. I want to have more fun. I want to be more connected. So those years for me, I had like two friends, right? Um, and I, you know, and they're good friends. We're very, you know, very close bonds. But at the same time, you know, I was like, man, I'd, I'd like to kind of broaden my network a little bit, you know? Um, And so I was like, okay, well, let me, let me see if I can start taking some steps, you know, see if I can, you know, make some more friends, get a little bit better at that, you know? And so, so my, my journey on, as far as, you know, trying to deny my introversion kind of started then. And throughout that process, I, I, I learned more about how to interact with people, how to converse well, how to ask good questions. And in that process, I got to a point where nowadays people mistake me for being extroverted. Mm-hmm. They think like, oh, Mr. Extrovert. I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> actually, uh-huh. I, I, I do this as a way to connect with people, right? Yes. And it's not, I wouldn't call it like a mask or a disguise, but for me, it's there's, there's an ebb and a flow. Kind of like we talked about earlier with personalities, right? There's, there's times when that personality comes fully out and there's times where that personality dials way, way back. And for me, I found that I need groups of people just as much as I need to be alone. And with my, with my wife and my kids, especially that's been probably the most difficult challenge that I've had in my life so far is finding time to be alone and, and still, right. Still be a provider, right. Still be dad, still be able to go to work, still be able to keep my life rolling, but find times where I can just be silent, find times where I can be alone for a couple hours. Um, you know, my wife and I actually have to plan that we try to build that in sometimes. Um, and (laughs) this came to a head actually on our honeymoon, we went on a cruise and this is my first time where like I have been 
24-7 with someone for days on end, right? <laughs> um, you know, up until then, like, it had just been like family and stuff, right? Um, but, you know, I'd always been able to retreat to my room or something else. And so I was I was realizing in this trip, right, on day three or day four of just being together, I was like, I just need to- I just need some space, you know, like, I love you, honey. I love you. Um, but I just like want to sit down and just read for a little bit. Um, and like, my wife was like, absolutely crushed. Yes. She went to like this paper folding seminar and just cried the whole time. And she's holding <laughs> these, these little shapes and stuff. And I was having a great time. I was just sitting by myself reading a book for a little bit. Um, and, but when, when we came back together, you know, I, I didn't realize how much I'd hurt her. Right. I didn't, I didn't realize to her, she had the expectation of, you know, we're going to, we're going to go on our honeymoon and we're going to be together this whole time. And it's going to be so great. And I didn't realize that for me, I'm still very much in touch with that introverted side as I still need that space and that breath sometimes to really be able to fully invest in those around me. And so that's kind of something that, um, I don't know. It's always kind of interesting for me to talk about is the idea of introversion, extroversion, needing space, wanting to be around people. Cause I think it's, it's a lot more complex than just a dichotomy. I'm an introverted extrovert. Growing up, um, I was a very sickly child, so I spent a great deal of time on my own. So whenever I did go back to school or something like that, you know, it was, uh, I was the odd one. Also being very much a spiritual person, being a seer, being able to tell people what I saw, it was, they were intrigued, but also terrified. And so, you know, I was always the freak growing up. So for a while there in my life, I wanted to be amongst people to feel like a fit in right that that I could be seen I could be heard and you know I wrote an article 20 years ago only the lonely about being lonely in a crowd where people are talking to you but they're not talking with you and you're just not feeling connected because nobody's seeing you um, it's different now because of the world we're in now. We're so much more open with our heart and soul. I, you know, we can talk to one another now as that is a beautiful thing. But I know about the introverters. Uh, even now I do these shows. I'm considered an extrovert. I'm considered person way out there. If I even go to a party or anything else, but I hear you. I love my time. I love just sometimes being silent. When I'm driving down to my daughter's to see the baby, no radio is on. I just like letting, letting the world speak to me as I'm going and nothing in particular, no particular thoughts, just in that moment. And it's, it's a wonderful, uh, soothing place to be. And there's nothing wrong with needing time for yourself. In fact, it's quite imperative that we learn to have that. Otherwise, we become dependent or codependent on other people for our every moment. And having that time for yourself, for your own generator, for your own well-being, for your own psyche is extremely important because when you do come back, you're you're renewed and you can give more. So it's never about, well, why can't you be with me 24-7? You don't love me. That's that person's insecurity that journey for them to take it's to be able even to be in the same room reading a book without talking to each other you are together but you are alone and those are the things that you learn as you get older of how time with oneself is so utterly important yeah 
And I think, yeah, and that ties into a bunch of the thoughts that we've had is the idea of separateness is yes. so important, but in the, in the same token, being able to, to come together and yes. to be together and to be vulnerable and authentic and real. And you wrote, you said that article where you, you felt so alone, mm-hmm. even though you were with people, yes. right? Is that such a, it's such a funny concept to think yeah. about, but you know, if we, if we do create this persona or if we do mm-hmm. create this projection and everyone fawns over the projection and people love interacting with this pretend thing, it's the most lonely place in the entire world because you recognize on the inside, whether you've consciously recognized it or not, yes. you recognize that it's not you. Yes. The award you received, the yeah. praise you received, yeah. the great work, the attaboy, that's not you that was getting that. That's that for was your this, shadow. That was, this, <laughs> that was the pretend thing yeah. that you made. And so I think, uh, I think we are in a much better time and place right yeah. now for people to really step into that authenticity, for people to really step into that vulnerability. But I, I guess maybe I'm a little curious for, for authenticity, right? How, how can we as people be more authentic? How do we do that? We live from the inside out for a start. We stop looking, you know, I guarantee you, please listen, folks. I'm 67 and I spent 55 years of my life trying to be what everybody wanted me to be. It's a waste of life. It really is. I am what I am, as Popeye says, right? (laughs) This is, and it's, you know, my own self-discovery of me allowing myself to be me and to be enough. Am I everybody else's cup of tea? No. Take me or leave me. I won't be offended, but I can't be what you want me to be. I have to be who I am. And that is a very, very important thing that we all need to understand on that personal growth, that self-discovery of who you are is all who you're meant to be. What is your meaningful purpose? What is your beautiful instrument? How do you play it? Which orchestra do you need to play it in? But please be true to who you are. And that means coming from the heart, listening to the soul, igniting the spirit and allowing the mind to know what it needs to know when it needs to know it. You do not need to be anybody else other than you. When you said playing for the orchestra, right? What instrument do you need to be playing? Where where do you need to be with that? It reminded me of a guy I just interviewed, and he was talking about the idea of the the third space, the idea mm. outside of home, outside mm. of work, right? That other place, okay? And and a, a bar could fit that, a gym could fit that, anywhere that's that's different, right? But we also got talking about about hobbies, about passions, about just side projects, things that are intentionally not really going anywhere, yeah. right? You know, I'm just, I'm just doing it. It's just something just that I do. Just an excuse to be somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he talked about his, his backyard. He's got a forge and he's a blacksmith. And so like his extra space, like his, <laughs> his getting a little bit of distance from things and his, uh, his hobby, you could say, is just making things out of metal, right? Heating mm. up this, this uh, you know, these ingots and melting things down and creating and hammering and forging. And I mean, there's this whole process, this whole, this whole side thing. And it's, it's often in those places where we get to be our most creative or mm-hmm. maybe creative in a way that we don't get to. 
and we get to maybe build something that we don't get to at work or at home. Because yeah. so much, so often at work and so often at home, the results take so long to show up. When you're raising your kids, it takes so long to know if you're doing a good job or not, <laughs> right? To know if they're actually going to turn out okay. Uh, and same with work. There's so many big goals and so many things that move so slow. Sometimes it's nice to be able to have something where you can see some change, where you can see that, oh yeah, you know, I was able to do something and it moved the needle. And one thing that he said that was really fascinating was he brought the idea up to some of his peers. So he's a, he's a speaker and he, he talked to some of these other speakers that are in a mastermind together. And he's like, hey guys, we're like, what's, what's your weird thing? You know, and they're like, what do you mean? He's like, well, I got like a forge in my backyard and I like, I hammer stuff and I, you know, I'm a blacksmith and people are like, oh, that kind of weird thing, you know, and, and if people kept chiming in. Some, some people had ant colonies. One guy, uh, when nobody was looking, he'd go and fill in potholes uh, on a street and around town. Uh, and like everybody on that call had like their little thing, except the guy that was super stressed except mm. the guy that was really struggling. And at first the guy that was super stressed was like, what are you guys talking about? That's ridiculous. But as every single person started chiming in with their interesting, weird little thing that they did, he started realizing like, have I, have I been missing something? Yes. Have, have I just been living at home and then going to work? And then that's my life. Um, and I think, I think a hobby or a passion or a side project, I think that needs to be explored by a lot more people. Two things I'm going to address here. One with the kids. You seed the possibilities. You pay attention to who they are. They're going to want to be a dozen different things on their own self-discovery and you nurture every one of them. That's all you can do is nurture their seeds and allow them to grow. And when they grow with love, they grow with inner knowledge they learn to understand what the outer knowledge is and they learn to be true to whom them, who they are and what their purpose here is on earth. And the results of who they will be is in, in each and every day as they grow. But it's all about you nurturing the seed of them. On the other side of it is the same thing with us. So many of us have just taken our seeds and thrown it to the wind and done no nurturing whatsoever. And we think, we have to do it all on the outside. No, it's about that inside. People who have the quirky hobbies, people who just maybe go walking or jogging or doing this or doing that, that time with oneself, that time to reconnect, that time to live from the inside out. You should always live from the inside out, folks. Always, always. People can tell if you're an outside in person. There's a hollowness about you. You're not connected. You're not authentic. People know it's not coming from the heart. So it is about that inner connection and always being there. But sometimes that silence, just being present or doing something mundane that the body is doing allows you to go into your psyche and your spirit and to heal and reconnect there. So all of these things are important. And stress, believe me, I have two doctors on last week and how many, I don't know. Stress is the number one killer because it creates dis-ease. And it breaks down the body, the mind, the heart, and the soul. So if we have stress in our life, it's an indication for change. Yes. I think stress is a, is a symptom, right? Mm -hmm. Just like I, I used to work in the fitness industry and weight gain was typically a symptom of something else, right? People would come in, they say, Hey, I want to get this weight off. And I'm like, fantastic. Great. We can work on that. But at the end of the day, mm -hmm. 
it represents something else. Yeah. Okay. Because you can, you can change the way you eat, you can exercise more, but if you don't address the underlying disease, you don't address the underlying stress, the underlying problem, the marital issues, your problems at work, your, your challenges, setting boundaries, whatever your thing is, or many things for some people, right? Whatever all those things are, those things aren't being addressed. The weight is going to come back. back. It, It may be gone for a year, maybe gone for two years, but it will return. And I think that's where a lot, that's where actually where I got a little bit burned out in the fitness industry was it was, it was hard to get people to accept that message. Mm. Too often people are like, no, 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 no. I I don't want to do, I no, I don't want to, I don't want to fix that relationship. No, I don't want to set a boundary. No, 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 no. I don't want to do that hard thing. Right. right? I'd rather spend hours working out. I would rather just not eat for a while. And I'm like, ah, I know. I know you're missing it. That's not actually going to get you what you want in that long term. No, no. I mean, we we are all uh, operating on old programs and old patterns. You know, if we, if we, if it's on the computer and we see it slowing the computer down, we're going to delete that program, right? We're going to insert a program that's more proactive, more productive. And we've got to realize if we're constantly repeating and repeating and repeating, it's an old program there. And the only way you're going to get to that is the willingness to go through the process and allow whatever that program is and what does it reveal. And is it painful? Yeah. But you know what? It's been a thorn in your side for a long time, but you didn't know where it came from. Now you do. What can you do? Pull it out. Delete it. Right? You know, it's the... For a lot of people who talk about the traumas and the pain that they've gone through, people say, but how can you keep talking about it? It's no longer with me. I no longer attach any feeling to it, but I can talk about it as an abstract thing that I dealt with, an old program that slowed me down and why I changed it. It doesn't mean they're reliving it. Yeah. I had a client that she did. She had that old programming and the old programming for her was her mother's lack of love and affection, mm-hmm. but her fierceness in defending her mother mm-hmm. and, and, and trying to defend the way that she was parented. Uh, and the, the biggest challenge for some people is that they cling so tightly to that old programming that they can't let go of it to get to have the better program, to yep. have the better function. I know. Life. They're, they're, they're almost so stubborn that, and so strong willed that I'm just going to bear through it and I'm going to get through it. And you're like, just let it go. Just, just acknowledge it. Right. Just, just drop it for one minute. Just set it down for one minute and step back. And then, and then just, just get near the other one. Just try that. Try running that other program just for a little bit. Right. See how that feels. And, and I feel like, you know, maybe we can talk about this, right? Is is how how can we help those that we care about, those around us, to get rid of that old programming, to to adopt a newer type of programming, right? We can't beat it into them, right? We can't force anybody to do anything, but how can we how can we assist in helping others see maybe what they're missing? The willingness to be seen, and for other people to share the reflection of what they see in you. Do not take it as an attack take it as an observation that you've been unable or unwilling to see for yourself, right? It's, that's the thing. I love the word flawsome. We Mm. are all flawsome. We all have flaws. That's what makes us so special because we learn 
from those flaws, those quirks, those idiosyncrasies, all of those beautiful things that makes us who we are, all of our struggles, all of our triumphs, everything has molded us into who we are today. And the best teachers are those that have gone through it because they're relatable, they connect, they have empathy, they have compassion, but they also have enthusiasm to get you through it as fast as possible. But you've got to be willing to participate in your own life. You've got to be willing to try something different, to be uncomfortable and be willing to go through that molasses so you can get to that beautiful stream. I think molasses is that perfect phrase because when we try to do something new as children, mm. it, we just try it and we fail yes. at it and we try it again and we yeah. try, we keep going. Yeah. As adults, we almost hold ourselves to this unrealistic standard where it's like, I have to be great at it from the start. Otherwise I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And it's like, what? Like, that's just crazy. You're going to be bad at it. It's, yeah. a, it's like a guarantee mm -hmm. when you start something. Oh, I'm no good at art. No, you're not no good at art. You're just not very practiced at yes. it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, so exactly right. It's almost like when we get started in something, if there is, there's that molasses that you're trudging through <gasps> yes. before yes. you even get anywhere. But what starts to happen in that molasses is as you start going, you start to build up a little bit of heat. You start to yeah. build up some of that friction, right? The molasses starts to loosen a little bit. And then when you really get power and when you really get pumping, you really have gained some momentum. It doesn't feel like molasses anymore. Mm -hmm. It feels like you're gliding, right? It's actually helping you go faster. So I think too often we were afraid that that in starting something, we have to be good at it. And I think we need to give ourselves permission to be terrible. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and, you know, case in point, my shows are always pre-recorded. So this is done a week ago from the people listening to it. The 4th of April is when I first started podcasting in 2012. So it's my 10th anniversary. And, my, and I was with another network for 13 months and it was live. My very first show, I pressed all the wrong buttons. <laughs> and I'm just going, are you there? Are you there? <laughs> You know, and then yeah, I'm here, and then a plane goes over, and you know everything that could. I call it the Monty Python skit that really ages myself, and and then you know the 13 months of doing it, you know, be in the middle of conversation and somebody would drop or disappear or not turn up or you know all these things, but it was a wonderful lesson. I call it the soap opera training because you're thrown into it and you really got to be in it and present because there isn't the time, right? You've got to get going on it. And then I started my own network and even starting my own network. I didn't know what I was doing at all. And it was literally kind of, you know, the blind leading the deaf and the deaf, you, know, you name it. I mean, and, and it's just through the years, as, as I've learned, I've changed. I've changed the way things have done. I've changed the way I do things. I've, I've you know, never perfected because we're never perfects because I'm never going to be perfect. But, you know, I have got to a comfortable spot of where I am and what I'm doing. And that was because I was willing to experience it. Were there uncomfortable times? Are there still uncomfortable times? As I said before, I'm building a new site and everything's going wrong. Right. And, and it's like, but when it gets built and it's up there, I'm going to feel proud of myself. Right. So don't look at constantly the struggle. The struggle is there to show you how, how much ability you do have. Stop selling yourself short. Be willing to go through that molasses 
because when you get to that other side, my God, the triumph is for your inner personal is wonderful. I look back 10 years. Did I ever think that I was going to be podcasting for 10 years or that it was going to be a full-time job? 3,000 shows under my belt and with such incredible people I've interviewed from over the world? Never. Been the best gift in my life to me and also for the, all the wonderful people and what they've shared out to other people. It's been a great gift to them of all the extraordinary people I've got to interview. What's your podcast experience for you? Mm. So first, before I even dive into that, I just want to say congratulations on 10 years mm. <laughs> of podcasting, because for those listening at home, like, oh, 10 years, you know, 10 years being a personal trainer or 10 years working at a company, like that's one thing. But in podcasting mm-hmm. land, that that's like infinity. That's like dog years. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you've been you've been in the podcasting industry for 90 dog years. Right? <laughs> and it feels in, like in it sometimes. It. <laughs> yeah, because like, I mean, right now it's easy, right? You you sign into the site and you can get the link and you can yeah. put it wherever you want. And but back then it was so complex, so complicated. How yes. do I get my audio there? Yeah. What there's a RSS feed? What's that all about? <laughs> like so, so much was just so unknown. Yes. And so, you know, I applaud you, number one for doing it Thank you. and then in still doing it. And that's, that's an inspiration to me. And it's a help to me because I'm, I'm relatively young in comparison in my podcasting journey. Uh, but many podcasters stop very early, right? That's mm. the average person does like three or four shows and then stops. Yes. And, you know, so I'm, I'm on show what, 37 or 38 at this point. And, you know, for me doing a, doing a weekly show, you know, that puts me at probably about seven months in eight months in something like that. So, for me, I'm still very new in the podcasting journey. And when I started, I had to be okay with mm-hmm. not being very good at it, mm-hmm. right? I had to be okay with not knowing how my show was going to run, not knowing who I was going to interview, not knowing what the show really, the core of it was going to be about. And I had to just be okay creating and collaborating and connecting with people. All of those things I had to just, you know what? I'm only going to be able to do so much and I'm just going to do what I can. Yes. And what I found was I used to go into a show with like 20 questions all laid out. Right. (laughs) And I remember I, I, one of my first interviews was 15 minutes long because I asked a question and then she answered the question. And then I asked another question and she answered the question. I went down the list yeah. and that was it. And she was super nervous about it. Right. So she's giving these really short answers. (laughs) And like, it was not a conversation. Can you cut that out a bit? Right. Yeah. We did not explore anything. Like like, we got to the end of it and I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) Coming on the show. Right. I was just like, oh my goodness. I can't believe it. Right. But then that, that taught me a lot. Is I, but I couldn't have learned that lesson without having made that mistake. Yes. And, you know, in 10 years, yeah, you, you built up a catalog of mistakes. Oh, right? God, yes. Um, still, and I, and I, still doing them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so for me, I'm getting to do the same thing. And so for me, I, I started a business podcast. Mm. I called it the Build Your Business Better podcast. I love business. I could talk about that all day. One thing I found, though, in going through that is for me, I'm relatively young in my entrepreneurship journey. So as far as running a business, owning a business, I haven't had any employees. I haven't had an IRS tax audit. I haven't had to do a lot of these like uncomfortable, like, you know, coming of age moments that a lot of business 
people can really speak to. And so I'm finding like, you know what, is I'm a good interviewer within the business realm, but I'm not a great advice giver in the mm. business realm. I have some advice that I can give, but it's not a high level. It's not, it's not top tier. And if I'm going to do something, I want to make sure that I can do it in the best way possible. I want to be able to provide my best value. So for me, I had to reevaluate and say, do I want to keep doing a business podcast or do I want to switch gears a little bit? Mm -hmm. And after a lot of reflection and, and thinking about it, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to switch gears a little bit because there's some other topics out there that are tangentially related that are similar, mm -hmm. but I have a little bit more of a footing to stand on. I have a little bit more of a story to speak to and a little bit more expertise that I feel like I can share. And so I'm switching that to personal growth and personal branding. And we can talk about entrepreneurship and we mm -hmm. can talk about all kinds of other stuff because that all plays into it. Broad spectrum. It covers everything. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so for me, I, I've worked very hard on my own personal growth and development and <laughs> my personal growth and development has worked hard on me sometimes. <laughs> and yes. uh, at the same time, I, I feel very strongly about personal branding because mm -hmm. we see more and more these days, especially with social media, that branding, as far as big brands, a lot of that stuff is being suppressed, right? I don't really see IBM showing up in my social media feed, right? <laughs> I see maybe someone that works for IBM yeah. showing up, right? Or someone that works for this other big company, but I don't really see that big company coming into my life very often. And so personal branding is us being an ambassador for stuff that we care about. Okay. Mm. We get to, we get to showcase and live out and get excited about and share thoughts on these things that are important to us. And some of that can be the work that we do. Some of that can be our hobbies. Some of that can be family, et cetera, et cetera. And so I find that personal branding, I think is going to be more and more important as time goes on, because just like we talked about earlier, mm. do we want to do business with somebody? We want to buy something from, we want to relate to and associate with people that we like, people that we yeah. care about, people that we connect with. And really, I don't connect with any company Right. Right. I don't go to Taco Bell and think, man, Taco Bell. I love Taco Bell. Right. <laughs> I, I think like, you know, there's, there's certain companies that just have the people that I enjoy mm. interacting with. Right. They had, they give me a feeling, right. Those employees do right. Chick-fil-A is a good example. Is, right. So some people really like Chick-fil-A just because of the way that their employees conduct themselves. Right. They have a strong brand in that sense. So I think Going forward, I think personal branding is going to be even more important, whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you work for somebody else, because that personal brand follows you wherever you get to go. You are your own personal brand. Yep. Right. So it, again, it goes back to, um, would I want to do business with you or would I even want to associate with you? Would I even want to refer you? You know, I get all the time. Will you refer me? Will we refer you? Not until I know you. Mm -hmm. No, I'm not going to refer somebody or buy likes or anything like that because how shallow and how empty if i do refer someone it's because i believe in them it's because i know that there's a synergy there is the because i know that they're perhaps on the same wavelength what they do with it is up to them but you know you're a connector when you connect certain people you know you see possibilities it's gain up to them what they do with that person uh, those possibilities but if you don't buy them in a sense that you don't believe who they are or you feel that mm, no, they're trying to be somebody else. They're not being true to who they are. Why would I want to refer you? Because you're misrepresenting who you are and that misrepresentation is going to come back on me. So authenticity of your brand, of who you are as a human being doing what you're doing 
you're selling your beingness before you're selling your doingness. Yes, yes, yes. Right. And that's vulnerability. That's mm. authenticity. That every single piece of this conversation that we've talked about ties right into personal growth, ties right into personal branding, and it ties right into our futures, right? Because each of us has a destination, hopefully in mind, right? We, we have these milestones or we have these things that we're reaching for and that we're shooting for and striving towards, and not all of them are going to come true for each of us, but having that goal is almost less important than being on the journey towards it. Because right now I, I have a lot of entrepreneurial stuff I'm working on behind the scenes and it's almost more fun to have something to work on than it is to be somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. Because for me, I'm, I'm a high achiever. I like achievements. I like trophies. I like books on the wall that I've read or that I've written. Aha, look at that. You know, it's a, <laughs> I've got an a whole artifact, stack of them right here. Right? It's an <laughs> yeah. artifact representing success, right? <laughs> and, you know, how often do I actually pick up that book and look at it mm -hmm. versus how often do I sit down to write? How often yes. do I imagine, ooh, this is a good story that I'd like to share and dive into? That is, to me, what's more powerful and been more fun is that I feel like, you know, here I am, 34 years old. I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. And that is so much fun just to be on a journey, to be striving and growing and, uh, and to be able to share that story with others, too. It's never too late. You're never too old. The youngest person I've interviewed was 10 with her own book. And the <laughs> oldest person, yeah, exactly. And another person, 91, with her own TV show. So it's really what we do with life. It doesn't matter what the age is. It doesn't matter what your milestones are. I did a show. I do my own shows every week, Sarah's View of Life, and then my perspective. And I did one a couple of weeks ago on milestones. And it's like, look at your milestones. Look back from where you've come from. You may be, oh, you know, I'm not where I want to be. Well, look back from where you come from. Look how far you've already come. And if you haven't and you've got stagnant, let that propel you forward, right? Because we no, we don't want you to go back to old programming, but we do want to see who you used to be. And because you invested in yourself, because you were willing to take the journey, because you were willing to have those goals or something to strive for on this beautiful journey of life, you look at you go and go, I really like who I'm becoming. I really like where it's taking me. I really like what those possibilities are. And if we can live in a certain state of wonderment, not it's got to be, yeah, I've got to have it like this. It's got to be that. No, forget about dictation. Forget about comparison. Forget about competition. It's about the willingness and the allowing to become who you really are meant to become doing what you're really meant to be doing. Yes. I like literally, that's it. Like I have nothing else to add. Like that's, that's, that's so right. Do you, you're, you're, you're obviously interviewing people and I'm going to be one of them. Thank you. Yeah. But, but do you um, do shows just on yourself on what you've learned from other people on how, you know, it's changed your shifted because I do recommend just sometimes a show on your own of your own summary of life of where you're at right now from the journey that you're taking. You know, I think that's that's extremely powerful because what I've been using right now is is the interviews as a chance to to showcase people that I care about, to, to meet someone awesome and then make them look awesome and feel awesome and, and bring their ideas and thoughts to the public. But at the same time, I think I've shied away from that because of my, you know, thin resume of business experience, um, whereas <laughs> I think... I'm going to stop you there. Oh, All here right. she goes. Um, go, go, I'm go, sorry, go. sleeves are rolled up. Yeah. <laughs> you you may not be um, 
the big business entrepreneur of 30 years, but you've been in the business of life all your life. And you have been in the fitness business. You've been in the branding of the coaching business, the podcast business. You've been in business all the time, right? This label of that it's got to be a certain category to count, boulder dash. Bingo. And so, yeah, I, you know what I'm going to do more in my podcast? Look, uh, for those listening, look for some more solo casts yes. from me yes. in the future where I just share. I share maybe yes. a little bit of my story, some of the stuff that I'm learning. And, uh, you know, I try to do that during my episodes, obviously, but sometimes it's good. It's good to have that solo time, kind of like mm-hmm. we talked about, yes. just to talk a little bit. And actually on that same topic, one thing I've started doing once in a while is when I need to process something, I'll, I'll open up my phone, turn on record, and I'll just like, just yeah. let it go. I'll yes. just start talking. I was yes. like, my, 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 <laughs> my, my brother, I saw my brother-in-law do that the other day. And I was like, huh, Yeah. you know, you don't have to share that audio with anyone ever. Right? I actually, de- I delete a lot of mine, honestly, <laughs> because it's, you know, some of the stuff that comes out of my mouth is horrible, but at the same time <laughs> it's out of my mouth now and it's out of my brain. Yes. And that emotion is out of my body. You've spent my- the emotion. You've yeah. spent the emotion. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, I so. but but I actually do my shows like that. Sometimes <laughs> I, you know, sometimes I know what I'm going to talk about, and sometimes I don't. I might have one word, one word, and I press the record, and it comes out right. But if for me, I'm always based in whatever the problem is. We're looking for the solution. It's always got to be solution. There's always got to be what's the upside, and that's the way I look in life anyway. Mm-hmm. But yes, the practice of just speaking into a microphone and really getting rid of the verbal diarrhea, just detoxing, letting it out (laughs) is really good. You know, I always say this to people, it's either speaking or writing or doing, talking to the mirror, folks. This isn't vanity. Sometimes it's real honesty. Very hard to pull the wool over your own eyes when you're looking into your eyes, right? Having those conversations with self is extremely healthy. And don't berate yourself for your thoughts or how you feel at the time the whole point is you go oh I didn't know that one was a bit heavy I didn't know but you've released it and it's like where are those thoughts coming from and what can you do to shift them don't suppress them yes yep because I mean for me I found that the more I suppress the worse my darkness gets on the inside, right? You know, these things are meant to be shared. And sometimes they're meant to be shared just to our own ears or to our own eyes, (laughs) right? And then deleted and destroyed forever. Uh, And then sometimes they're meant to be shared with others, right? You know, they're meant to be shared to a broader audience, like a podcast. Mm. They're meant to be shared to maybe a cultivated audience, maybe in your your email list, or maybe you Mm. have a, you know, a family uh, Facebook group or something that you have, you know, and you're, and you're, you're sharing some of this there, whatever it is though, is, is make sure you're exercising that outlet. Um, because if you don't, you're going <laughs> to, you'll be like me a, a while ago where, where I, I pursued things just to escape it. Right? Yes. I pursued alcohol to escape mm-hmm. it. I pursued video games. I pursued other fruitless things that didn't get me anywhere. That didn't move me close to where I actually wanted to be, but they moved me away from mm-hmm. that discomfort that I had inside of me. Yes. Yes, I have a genre, the nature of addictions. And, you know, people think addiction is always drugs and alcohol. It's actually the systemic thing of addiction is avoidance. Always avoidance, avoiding the pain, avoiding the core of it, avoiding dealing with it. And I don't care who you are, how far you run or what else you do, that 
avoidance of what you're trying to avoid will always go with you. Yes. You know, and, and so often people think of courage as like, you have to do this big, brave thing, but courage is often just doing some of those things that you've been trying to avoid, even yeah. though you're uncomfortable, even though you don't really feel like it, even though you butchered it mm. and you did a poor job of it and you still did it. Right. And that's, yes. and that, and that it really is what courage is, is just doing those things that you want to avoid doing those things that you want to run from. Yes. And, you know, don't make excuses. Right. You can draw the line and have boundaries. Yes. I will not do that. I don't want to do that. I want to put my energies elsewhere because you know what you do want and what you don't want. But in your own journey of self-discovery, don't make excuses to avoid things because you're afraid of it. So ask yourself, am I afraid to do this? Am I saying no because I'm afraid? And if you're afraid, that's the best time to approach it. Mm -hmm. and, and to your point of don't make excuses, I've, I've worked hard at not allowing myself to make excuses when I make a mistake or when I'm apologizing or, you know, whenever else, right. That it's obvious that I'm a, you know, I have failed at something. No, right? you I learned goofed. something. Exactly. It, you exactly. learned something. It wasn't yeah. a failure. The failure right. is not to learn from it. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, like I, 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 you know, I showed up late to something, right? right? It's easy to say, to blame it, right? We yes. talked about blaming earlier, right? No blame, it's no easy. shame. <laughs> yeah. Right. But at the same time, it's like, you know what? I'm late. But I'm Own it. It's so hard. That is yes. so hard to do, to just, I'm late. I apologize. And then boop, close your mouth, yeah. right? No more. It wasn't the traffic. It wasn't your kid. Yeah. You're, you're late. It is what it is. And we're going to move forward from here. Yes. Yes. I, I mean, I make, because I wear all the hats here and I do everything very often. I make mistakes, especially in booking if people haven't come back to me at the right time and then things get overlapped. Oh, I suddenly have two at the same time. I have to own it. <laughs> And, and, and will one of you reschedule, you know, and that is it is that, yes, I'm, I'm flawsome. You know, I don't have all these other people doing things for me. I do it all myself. And that does mean I'm going to make mistakes. Does that mean I'm a failure? No, it just means that some things are easier to navigate than others. And I'm going to drop the ball now and again. Own it, live with it, move on. Perfect. So the new podcast and the new name, when is that going to happen? Sometime. So we're in April right now. I would imagine before the end of April. So I'm working on getting some of the coloring and the picture and everything just right. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's going to be good enough when it launches, right? I'm not uh, not going to settle. Uh, not not going to wait for it to be perfect. So yeah, look for that um, by, by April 20th, by April 25th, somewhere in there, it'll be launched. So currently the podcast is Build Your Business Better with Andrew Biernat, and I'll be launching it, or I guess rebranding it as Your Personal Growth, your, sorry, Your Personal Growth Personal Brand Podcast. So, And yeah. what is it on? Who are you with, uh, your podcast? Sure. Uh, what do you mean by on? Uh, who is your whole, are you, is it iTunes or where do people actually oh, find you? Yeah, uh, anywhere, anywhere that podcasts are found. So yeah, <laughs> iTunes, Spotify, all of them. So I, I, I have it uh, pushed out and broadcast to all those. So yes, yeah, so any platform is good. So what I do actually have here is bybb.groovepages.com slash podcasts. Um, and that seems to have your stuff on it. Is that the right link? 
Correct. Yeah. So if you want to go directly to like my RSS feed, that that's the link that'll take you directly there. Um, it's kind of a mouthful. So build yes. your business better might be an easy one to search for. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and Andrew Biernett is my name and you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, and I love to connect. So people that listen to this type of show, though, you are like the people that I enjoy talking to, mm. right? Is, is people that are willing to be vulnerable, people that are willing to share, people that are on a journey, people that are helping sharing that, that are making an, an impact in the world. So, you know, if, if that sounds like you, like you're my people. So mm. I, I love just to connect. I love to meet people. Um, please, please reach out. And of course, they connect with you on LinkedIn. I know you're very active there. Um, but can you spell your name for people who are just yeah, listening? Absolutely. So Andrew, and then last name Biernat, B-I-E-R-N-A-T. And your site, what is the name of that? Sure. Um, so, oh my goodness. It's uh, connect.flxbusinesscoaching.com. Excellent. So people can reach out to you anywhere there. You know, we, we talked a lot about social media before and, and LinkedIn has really changed. I really like the way it's been more connective and more supportive now. And, you know, the thing is, if you are in business, if you are rebranding yourself, you have got to be willing to do the social medias. And remember everything, including yourself as an algorithm. So, you know, again, what you put out is what you're going to get back. So be enthusiastic, be kind, be supportive, and you will see that come back to you. And especially with Ben. He's most certainly a, a supporter and an encourager and a connector. So if you are in any form of business or branding, whatever, LinkedIn is the place to go to connect with him. And um, I'm looking forward to, to a being on your show, but also the direction that you're going in. And, you know, I think one of the things that is a good lesson for all of us to learn, there is no thing, no such thing as perfection. You can have a perfect moment or oh, that feels perfect in the moment. But if you're looking for this big umbrella of perfection, I guarantee you're going down the wrong avenue and you will always be disappointed. If you go out living in enrichment and personal abundance and you see and feel life in and around you and you're living it all the time, then you'll truly know how rich and abundant you really are. And that is a perfect state to be in. But this whole societal thing of what perfect is, let it go, please. Yeah. Well, especially talking on social media, right? Yes. <laughs> social media is the highlight reel, people, right? They're not showing you the, the dark moments and the hard times. The good ones are. The authentic ones are. The real ones, they'll, they'll, they'll let you peek behind the curtain once in a while. And you'll be like, wow, okay, they are real people. They are actually a human. Um, so just bear that in mind as you're, as you're digesting and absorbing social media, it's mostly the highlight reel. Just understand that, yeah, we can't do it perfect. We're not going to be perfect, but you can be good enough. You can get it done and you can still put some great stuff out there. And, you know, it's um, on the smoker's board of life, on the buffet of life, it takes many ingredients to make a dish. And it's uh, don't just get stuck in your meat and potatoes, folks. There's a lot of great veggies out there. <laughs> <laughs> amen. The personal trainer in me. Is yeah. Amen to that. <laughs> Eat your veggies. <laughs> oh, Thanks so much for sharing here. Please. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's really great having you here. And uh, I look forward to A, being on yours, but also where your shows take you. And, uh, you know, I can tell you from as a 10-year veteran, 
Um, there's some shows that, you know, they're just really, really nice and they really do speak to you. And there's some shows that just hit you in the gut because they're just like, <gasps> but I can guarantee over the period of time of how much it will change you, how much you will learn from the people that you will interview and how much that it has an impact on other people's lives. And sometimes you know, and sometimes you don't. But every now and again, somebody comes back with something to let you know how one particular show changed their lives and that makes everything worth it but just be yourself that's the only person you can be will do thank you so much for having me sarah my pleasure my pleasure until next time folks remember authenticity comes from the inside out you are good enough just be willing to go through the growth even if it's painful because when you get to the other side you'll understand why until next time bye for now we hope that you enjoyed the show right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. Please tune in to our selfdiscoverymedia.com slash shows and you will see all the other genres that we have from you. Every week on Tuesday, we bring you new shows from illuminating people. If you know someone that should be interviewed, please contact us at info at selfdiscoverymedia.com. Now stay tuned for your next show.